Hi, I'm Linda P. I live in Scottsdale and um, and uh, I've been in LA for 21 and a half years or a little bit more, 21 and a half years abstinent as of February 19th. Um, I am not a hundred pounder. I want to be honest about that, but Andriette asked me anyway. <laughs> um, I'm a 90 pounder, okay? And I recognize that um, since I have no intention of letting go of this beautiful program, uh, God willing, my high weight will never go up and I'm actually at a normal weight and it doesn't need to go down. You know, I would, I would like love to have that tag of being a hundred pounder because it's, um, you know, I, I think a lot of my experiences were the same but I have to recognize that where I'm at is normal. Um, so um, let's see, I'm gonna, do I have share screen? Do I have ability? Oh, what am I doing? I can't even share my screen. I'm gonna show these old pictures. Um, anyway, um, just to start off, um, let's see. I, um, I am Jewish, I grew up in Chicago. I'm a child of two Holocaust survivors and I'm one of seven sisters. So just talk about a complete, uh, you know, uh, disaster waiting to happen. Um, you know, my parents both uh, kind of created like a little mini 1940s Eastern Europe inside the house, but outside the house, it was Chicago suburbia. And, um, and out of the seven sisters, I was a thin one. Okay, I was a thin one and I watched as um, the heavier sisters got a lot of grief. Okay, um, you know, there were certain neighborhood women and aunts and uncles who would just, you know, kind of predict in Yiddish our ability to attract men and get married. Okay, like this one's the prettiest, this one's the ugliest, this one's the fattest, this one's the skinniest. And um, and they certainly did seem to leave behind the old country attitudes about heaviness being good. You know, like they, it was definitely the Twiggy era. Um, so I was, I was just, I was aware that I was kind of just lucky by accident. Okay. Because when I look back at that, I see that I already had certain obsessions. I, um, you know, just whatever, you know, chasing the good humor truck, like my life would end if I didn't stop, you know, get it to stop. Um, you know, people giving me food items for birthdays or Hanukkah instead of buying me gifts because they knew I just wanted this one kind of thing. Um, you know, whatever. But my, my disease hadn't been triggered yet. Okay. I think that when you talk about in the big book, the obsession of craving and the allergy of the body, I only had um, the obsession of craving. I'm not sure. Either way, it balanced out. Um, and it was um, triggered later. So basically, we were in Chicago until I turned 13. And then we moved to Arizona, where I still live. And um, my father died a year and a half after we got here. And I remember like walking in the house, and I had my arms full of shoplifted items. I had pot in my purse. You know, I had stolen money from this um, money bag he had in his closet. So all these things, like all these things, um, you know, I felt like, oh, dad's dead. And now he can see who I really am. I just, I just remember, you know, even though I believe that I am like was born with the disease, I do remember 
feeling like I had to stop thinking like self-hatred started right then. Um, you know, about a month later, I was sitting on the second register at this little miserable produce market we owned in Scottsdale. And some guy was delivering something hot and fresh. And I suddenly, bing, it like flew into my mind that I should stand up, go rip open one of those packages, go cut off something from this giant 10 pound round of cheese and, and do this, do that, you know, and, and I was off and running. Okay. Um, the first picture, I hope you can see it because this is a new laptop. So I don't have my photos loaded up. This is me already at 17. I was like a skinny kid. And then this is me. Uh, my dad died when I was 15. That's me sitting on my cousin's bed. I don't know. If you, yeah, there you go. In Chicago. So like when my disease was triggered, it was, it was immediately the answer to everything. Um, this is me at um, about 22. I see my mom's Lincoln. <laughs> um, yeah. And then this is me before I came in program and I was 38 years old. I was actually 40 when I came in program. Um, you know, the only thing that really distinguished my disease was that it got worse all the time. You know, it just got worse. And I was positive that there was like a thin person inside of me. You know, I had, I don't know, just, I felt like I was in the wrong body all the time. So I had no idea that OA existed. And I just kept kind of um, like if a bird flies at a glass window, that was me. I was going to fly at the window and fly at the window. And, and I was never going to remember that the window was not air. You know, I, I wasn't going to get through it. And, um, and so, you know, basically... I don't want to spend that much time on the past. You know, there's a lot of um, guy things in it. You know, there's a lot of losing weight and then getting a lot of attention from guys and then gaining weight and like turning off the spigot. Okay. And I knew that I could do that. Like, um, because I had my own discomfort with body and sexuality and all of that, I knew that. But at the end, when I weighed um, more like 220, that feeling of being worried about male attention would be triggered at 190. Like it was actually all in my brain. It was just all in my brain. Um, so, um, so what happened was um, I had one success at a you know most famous pay away back in 1986 when I was 26, and and that one success, like losing 50 pounds, was enough to fuel an additional. 14 years of me joining and quitting and joining and quitting this program. Okay. Nonstop. It was like Groundhog Day, you know, every day, um, you know, somehow I was going to make it work. Um, you know, um, I had, you know, I, I had certain feeling like, like I'd gotten divorced and I thought, oh, well, to be a marketable product, you know, I need to be thin or, you know, to attract somebody new or whatever, like, you know, all these old sexist things where you can't get a boyfriend if you're heavy and all that. Um, and, um, and then in 2000, my, one of my sisters and I were absolutely in despair because we knew that we couldn't go to our favorite pay and way anymore. Like we, we had embarrassed ourselves so many times there. Okay. The, um, I joined program in July 
of 2000. The last time I'd been at the pay and weigh was February. I had worn like, I mean, not really wet jeans, but let's just say I wore my heaviest clothes for the first weigh-in, right? And then the next weigh-in, I would wear my lightest clothes. And, and then that would be like my outfit that I would have to repeat week after week. And, um, and I decided, because I am sick, um, that day seven didn't exist. Like I would go to the earliest weigh-in I could. Okay. So I go to the early weigh-in, go straight to every single binge store, eat everything that I had sacrificed the other six days. And then day one would miraculously start again the next day. So I could screw around with anything. I wasn't a normal person, okay? Things that were straws that would break people's back, you know, break the camel's back, let's say um, awakenings, you know, I'd missed 20 years of fashion. Um, I couldn't live like that anymore. I couldn't bend down to tie my shoes. You know, that stuff, I could get used to anything. Like there was nothing I couldn't get used to. I used to say, you know, oh, and I hit this size, you know, I'll, 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 um, you know, for sure lose weight. That's absolutely the straw that will break the camel's back. And, you know, eventually I was a size 20 and I've got like these puny little bird bones. Okay. I am, I'm not meant to be a size 20. It was all in my hips. I, I could get used to any humiliation. Okay. One time on Halloween, I opened the door and some kid mooed at me. I got past that you know, knock over store displays. I got, I got used to that, got used to the size 20. Okay. There actually wasn't a stopping point. Okay. This is what program taught me that I didn't, I didn't have a natural stopping point, like a regular person. I, I didn't have one at all. You know, all I, I mean, thank God I found program because I'm sure I wouldn't be alive sitting here and talking. I'm sure I wouldn't have made it to 61. <laughs> There's no way um, because my health hasn't been that great anyway. And I can't even imagine adding obesity into the mix. Um, so anyway, so my sister and I had decided we were going to handle this very intellectually, and we were going to go to every uh, diet and weight loss place in Phoenix. So it's 2000, right? We were planning on like um, a regular pay and weight, different location, change our names, lie about our heights, <laughs> because I could never meet the, you know, the weight requirement at my own height. Um then we were going to go to all these other places. And then one of them was going to OA. So we found out there was a newcomer meeting and, um, and we went and, um, you know, I, 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 you know, it's hard to believe that like something changed, nothing had changed. Okay. In my life, as far as the weight went, except for it getting worse from age 15 to 40. Okay. Nothing. And, um, and so I was sitting there and I was kind of expecting whatever a diet or something. Um, and the person who was speaking at the newcomer meeting, she was not thin. I was used to going to the pain way where everybody had to be thin. And, um, and she passed around pictures that showed that she had been up and down and up and down and up and down. And while sitting there, I thought, 
my God, I, I almost thought of this, like, like it was almost a diversion to my life, right? You know, it was always me calling up my friends or them calling me, are you dieting today? Or are you binging? Are you dieting? You're binging? Oh, let's go out and we'll go eat everything because we know we're going to join so-and-so, you know, whatever weight loss program tomorrow. And I suddenly realized sitting there that it, it wasn't funny. Like no part of it was funny. No part of it was, was women connecting to women, you know, through obesity. It was actually tragic because um, I had a strong relationship with a higher power of my understanding. And, um, and I believed that I had a book in me. Like I really believed I was meant to write and I couldn't write because I was fat and I couldn't join a writing class and I was too good for everything. And I was, you know, I, I couldn't do anything. So basically it was all like this fiction. I just had to live in fantasy. And, um, and so, you know, I walked in, it was completely different. The newcomer leader agreed to sponsor me temporarily. Um, she was actually in the how program. And I knew from the very beginning, I wasn't like a how person. I just knew I, I had such a strong higher power relationship that I don't know, I just knew. So, um, so anyway, so my sister and I were leaving there and we're like buying all the books and buying all the equipment, you know, we're trying to do what we would do at the pay and way, which is if we buy enough tickets for enough weeks, or we buy enough scales, like we'll, we'll be successful. And, um, and thank God I bought the books, because what happened was something changed right away. Um, you know, I was still binging. I was still binging in anticipation of a diet because that's kind of like what my cycle was more than emotions. I would binge because a diet was coming up. And so I'd have to eat everything in the world that I wouldn't be able to eat um, ahead of time. And then of course the diets got tinier and tinier. And then I did that thing where I built the binge into the diet and, and all that. Um, and then, um, so that's how the first month went. And then my husband and I went with our two kids who were little at the time. My daughter wasn't even a year old. And my son was uh, short, like just a little bit off of five years old. And, um, and we were in this tiny little town in Western Arizona where there was nothing, you know what I mean? I mean, nothing. It didn't matter if I wanted to binge, okay? It didn't matter if that was the answer to me keeping myself kind of blanked out. Um, there was nothing. There was no fast food. There was no grocery store. Um, my daughter was literally on baby food, <laughs> okay? There was nothing. I was in a cabin. And... Um, and I had program already, you know, I'd listened to program and I'd started going to meetings and I was already going to four meetings a week because I was so stunned by what I was hearing. And, um, and I started reading um, Roseanne's book, Beyond Our Wildest Dreams. And when I read that, I, I mean, just understanding the whole history, because I was very tormented by why couldn't I be a good how person? You know, why was I going to these regular meetings? Where did I fit in? You know, all of this. Um, there was some weirdness about um, admitting that I was a skinny kid, like I was skinny till I was about 14. Um, and um, I'm reading her book. I realized I, I, I just got something out of the history of OA, okay? The history. 
that every time, you know, there's been like four people in the room, there will always be some people who have one idea and some people who have another idea. And I suddenly became very comfortable with my own idea of what my food plan needed to look like. Okay. And um, I made a list of the foods that I binged on. And I made this list with no intention of giving them up, no intention at all. Okay. I just wanted to be honest. Right. So I wrote down all these foods. Um, do we mention foods at this? Just give me a thumb. Okay. Um, so it was, you know, just your typical um, transgressors like, um, you know, chocolate, pizza, uh, peanut butter and jelly standing with just a spoon, you know, um, you know, just, just this whole list, you know, with no intention of giving them up no intention that it would ever be possible not to eat those or not to want to eat those for even one day. And, um, and then something changed. Okay. We, we got back to Phoenix and, um, and I was off and running again. I, I went to Wendy's, I ate a whole meal Then my husband brought home dinner and I was all worried about, is there going to be enough? Should you order me two sandwiches, blah, 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 you know, like on and on and on. And the next day I went to a meeting and I was crying as I was driving, driving down the freeway. And I thought, my God, I, I have this disease, regardless of whether food's available, this disease resides right here. Okay. It just resides between my ears. Okay. Um, I want one day of just not having this constant whirling in my brain about how much am I going to eat? Is there going to be enough? Am I going to hate myself the next day? Am I waiting for my husband to fall asleep so I can binge on the couch? Um, you know, um, what diet and exercise program I'm going to, am I going to go on? Um, how fat am I, you know, um, you know, is it okay to be fat? Am I full figured fat? Am I, you know, on and on. And I was like, just give me one day. And, you know, I got that day. I got that day, that day. Okay. Which was August 19th of 2000. And that day was a beautiful day. Okay. I would say that in quality, that day is just like today. So 21 and a half years later, um, the quality of it was the same. I, I immediately did not want my binge foods and I never ate those binge foods again. I, um, I told my sponsor, that newcomer leader, I told her, you know, my daughter's turning one in three weeks. So um, I'm going to start my abstinence and then I'm going to eat birthday cake on September 9th. And then I'll go back on. Right. And by the time three weeks went by, it was like, this was the stupidest idea I ever had in my life. Like it didn't matter if I ate her cake, you know, um, she's 22 years old and she's healthy. And I don't think I hurt anything by never having her cake. Um, and that's my particular form of the disease. Like I can't eat that. Um, you know, so, um, so yeah, so miracles started happening. Um, where am I at in my time? Did I pass 10? Nope. You're up to uh, 19 minutes. Oh, anyway. So, um, so program started, you know, um, yeah, it was, you know, there were just so many miracles right there at the beginning. 
I um I got um a different sponsor. Um I got a few sponsors actually in the first six months. Um, you know, I had a sponsor who shamed me. She wanted me to do something with my program that I really didn't feel was necessary, but I agreed to pray over it. Okay. And I prayed over it and like God said no. Okay. God literally, like, no, you don't have to do that. And um and she said, well, I guess you don't want to go to any, uh, any effort. I guess you don't want to, you know, put forth all effort. And, um, and I showed up at one of our meetings and I was just crying through it. And it just happened to be like this all old ladies and me, although I thought I was old already at 40, you know, but, um, but, you know, everybody offered to be my sponsor. I mean, it was really, it was loving. It was a lot of crosstalk. Now I know, but um. But, you know, I, I came to realize that there was a way I, I wasn't going to leave. OK, I wasn't going to leave no matter what, because I knew that the only thing waiting out there for me was my disease. And I knew how bad it was. And I knew that with no stopping point, it would only get worse. OK, I knew that. Um, so anyway, so I managed to get a sponsor and. Um, you know, I just, I, I had had all these horrible things, you know, locked up from the time of my father's death. And five I, minutes. um, yeah. How many? Five minutes. Five, five left. Five left. Okay. So, yeah. So, um, one day I actually went to the cemetery and I had my kids with me and none of us had ever gone to the cemetery. And, um, and in some ways it felt like my whole life, like I was locked up in that limousine, you know, following from the mortuary to the cemetery. And, um, and I made my amends for being the kind of daughter that he wouldn't be proud of. And, um, on the way out, there was a whole funeral coming in. And it was like, I was finally seeing myself from outside of the horrifying limousine, outside of the Orthodox funeral and the Makitsa and the, you know, the, which is like a, a thing, you know, the women sit behind it. And, um, and um, it was like, I realized I was free. So anyway, so now to bring this up to date, I know I can't cover um, all these years this quickly, but, um, you know, program is not um, trouble free. I've had two weight gains in program while abstinent. Um, I would say that I date my abstinence by the day of my spiritual awakening more than um, anything else, more than any particular food plan. The day that I stopped wanting certain items that's my day. Okay. And, um, and so, you know, twice I found that I, I could start sneaking foods in that weren't on the original list. Okay. Like submarine sandwiches somehow were okay. <laughs> you know, like, like these things, I could just count them. I could count them. It's not a problem. Um, and then last year during the second year of the pandemic, I, um, I realized that I, I, I just, I listened to so many podcasts over and over and over again about relapse and recovery and about um, the way that the disease is triggered in my mind. 
And I realized that I needed to let go of foods that started up a dialogue inside of me. So I had been eating um, tortilla chips, you know, at Mexican restaurants. And I would sit there and it'd be like, oh, 14 is this many calories. And I would um, ask my husband to leave the biggest ones for me. Like if one was as big as a plate, that was my tortilla chip. Okay. You know, and I would piece together broken ones and it'd be like this whole big puzzle thing. And, um, and then I would figure out how I could eat more, you know, and I realized that there can't be any part of my food plan that actually has to do with me trying to maintain or lose weight. The whole thing about my food plan has to be to avoid my disease. Okay. That is my disease. The, the uh, tortilla chip. Okay. Um, it's my disease to try to be a thin woman and impress the waitress that I can eat a lot of food, okay? Um, all of these things. So, so something changed last year and I, um, you know, just, I don't know. I, I just, I let, you know, God did it. God removed the desire for certain foods that I thought that I had a right to, or there was a pity party because I'd given up these other foods, you know, and, um, and they've been gone. And I guess God had a plan because in October I was diagnosed with breast cancer and I had to have a double mastectomy in, at the end of December with like immediate implants. And, um, and because of my weight being normal and my BMI being where it was, I had total different options available to me like reconstructive surgery on the day of the double mastectomy. Um, you know, I am seven weeks out tomorrow. I'm exercising already. I feel great. I'm teaching a class on Friday, not, you know, writing. And um, yeah, and I've had many miracles happen to me. I am... Um, I published my second book the day before my surgery. I have no idea why. It was like God just said, yes, this is it. We're gonna like pair up the really good and the really bad. And, and I would have to constantly be reminded of the miracles and the tragedies of life, you know? Um, and so, um, so yeah, it's been amazing. I don't, I don't, I don't believe I would have been alive to get breast cancer. <laughs> I mean, it sounds crazy, but the growth that I've had, um, you know, I don't know how I would have had this growth in my life at all if I'd stayed in the food. I just, I just don't believe I could have because my answer waking up every day was what to do about my, my weight, you know? Yeah. Is that it, Jonathan? Yeah. You just yeah. got to wrap it up. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I just want to say that, you know, OA changed my present, you know, as of 21 years ago, it changed my future, I'm positive of that. Um, but mysteriously, it also changed my past. Because as I worked the steps, my view of the past had always been a 15 year old looking at them. And suddenly it was a 40 year old, a 45 year old, a 50 year old. And I came to see how I had actually just been seeing things in a way to serve my central narrative, which was poor me, you know, poor me, I don't fit in. I'm, I'm really not going to fit in. And, um, and so here I sit, you know, in the future. So thank you. I pass.